Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. Today is Tuesday, October 16th, 2018. You guys guessed it. I'm back here with Shaka because we got to talk about what happened this past weekend. However, I will mention Shaka is is expecting right now. Not Shaka, but his significant other is expecting right now. So he's on baby watch. Um, Shaka, can you give us an update on baby watch right now? We are still uh, playing the waiting game here. This little guy uh, is due next Sunday, but we've been informed that he could be here any day. So it's just a lot of twiddling myself as I pretend to be busy, or at least pretending to pay attention to other things while in the back of my head I'm like ready to run to the hospital at any moment. You are ready for full-on baby watch. Pretty much bags are packed. Well, before baby, before full-on baby moment happens, we've got to talk about your Jets stomping on the Indianapolis Colts this past weekend. Amazing outing, putting up 42 points, and you know the Colts kind of made it a game towards the end, but... I mean, I'm going to eat my words, man. I, I inevitably picked the Colts. I thought they could move the ball in this Jets team, and I thought uh, I thought they'd be able to outscore them, but I was wrong. Um, give me some thoughts from this game, because I think the Jets looked, I mean, they're starting to look pretty impressive now. Well, I was 50-50 on this one. I really thought this could go either way, and I thought the big, the big factor here would be turnovers. And it looked like that's pretty much what it came down to, really, at the end of the day here for the Jets. Um, I want to tell you the truth, Sam. It feels so good to finally have a quarterback with an arm. Yes. Yeah. It's quite a relief. I mean, it's just what a difference uh, it makes in terms of variety and options and play calling, which also looks like the Jets' offensive coordinator is finally kind of embracing. There's uh, one particular moment I remember in the first quarter, the clock was winding down, where they let him go into a no-huddle offense, just kind of off the bat. And there's basically his to command. He wasn't taking any, you know, play calls from the sideline. He was just drumming everything up himself. And he got the team into field goal range, but he kicked one of the seven field goals they put down. Dude, lots of field goals. Jason Myers, I mean, the guy was four for nine, I think, before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, seven for seven on the day. So, I mean, that'll up the average, if anything. But, <laughs> hey, look, I, I, can't, I can't say enough about just how solid the, the Jets offense played today. Darnold was crisp. Um, 24 for 30 passing, which, I mean, you know, I've, I've been a little bit concerned with his accuracy the last couple of weeks. You know, I think last week he was 10 for 24, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it looked good to really kind of see him in command of the offense and making just really snap throws and guys, getting guys involved, really. I mean, all over the field. Chris Herndon, another rookie, you know, that we got on this offense. I really, really like him at tight end, and I really like the, you know, the potential and the possibility because there's not any good teams in the NFL that don't have a really good pass-catching tight end. And it's one, it's been one of the biggest kind of deficiencies in the Jets' offense for years. I mean, we t- yeah, Jason Morrow. I mean, really, there, there kind of hasn't been a real solid pass-catching tight end for the Jets since, I mean, I want to say Dustin Keller. Yeah, and I mean, God, that, that was just a rough way for his career to end. That was so, really um, sad. I mean, in the preseason when he was on the Dolphins, uh, just sad. Yeah, and he just kind of faded into nothing. Of that, for those at home who wonder what we're talking about, yeah, he, uh, he tore his ACL, and actually, the was it tore his ACL to break his leg. Uh, I, th- I think it was. A, I think I think it was both. Actually, I think, I think a, he a, might have. It was bad. Break. I think he might have torn his ACL and his and his LCL. Like it was. It, it he destroyed his knee in the preseason. Yeah, and he just never came back. It was just never, never recovered. Um. So you know, it. I I really really like the. The, 
play calling, at least in terms of spreading the offense out. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Curse, who hasn't really dude, seen Jermaine Curse, man. Yet. You know, nine nine catches on ten targets. Just really, I mean, really gave a breath of life. Unfortunately, Quincy Anua, he went down with a, a pretty bad injury. I think he's going to be out for a month. But, yeah, you know, and and you know, prior stepped up. You know, you really saw that. I feel like they were using Anunua more on the outside, and they were moving Curse to the slot. I kind of feel yeah. like we're just going to see a lot more involvement from Curse now that Anun was down. I can't really say I'm upset. Curse filled right in pretty well, and he, there were a couple big plays where I think also that maybe the defense wasn't quite prepared for to see so much of Curse. I think they were prepared to see Anunua. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it threw him off, and I'm okay with that. I think also probably would give the offense coordinator for the Jets a little bit in mind to kind of take into account, hey, you know, he, he's built for this, so, you know, just bring it on. I'm really, really happy with that production on the offense. You know, we're going to also say those turnovers again. They got three interceptions on the day. That's right. And they got forced fumble from Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. um, which is big. They, they turned that into 20 points. You know, turnovers win games. Turnovers, you know, really can change the point difference. And I think the more pressure they put on Andrew Luck, the more they forced him to throw the football to win this game. I feel really, really, really bad by Andrew Luck in terms of just the amount of passes this guy's had to make on yeah. a surgically repaired shoulder. It's insane. I think he's got the NFL record for most passes. I mean, he's he's on game. pace to, to break the pass attempts this season. They're really pushing him to do way too much right now. Yeah, he's 43 pass attempts in this game, and you know it really showed that. Just And granted, I mean, it shows you one how talented he is because he still had moments where he carved up that Jets secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's too much. It's too much to ask of one person to be able to, to, to do that. No, I and totally really agree, cool. man. This is, this is, this Colts team, I think is unbalanced. I think they're improving on yeah. defense. And I think that Andrew Luck is still a potent passer, but you know, his yards per attempt is down. It's not that he's not airing the ball out, but they're just making him do a lot more dink and dunk than I think he was, uh, you know, he did before the injury. And I mean, the offensive line is better, but everything about the Colts is better, but they just don't have that balance. I mean, you saw it yeah. against this Jets team, the turnovers when they didn't, when they couldn't afford to have turnovers. And, you know, they're able to move the ball, but they're constantly playing from behind. I mean, what really impressed me in this game was the Jets defense. Yeah, they were heads up. I, look, and I, I had my concerns because our two, you know, most veteran quarterbacks, uh, Tremaine Johnson and Buster Screen, didn't play in this game. So we had a lot of filling guys. You know, Perry Nickerson, uh, rookie cornerback, he got a lot of reps last week, but he played a lot this game, you know, in, in the filling role, and guys stepped up. I, they, Like I said, they got cooked a couple times. There were a couple moments where you could see where there's still some lapses in the secondary, and guys were trying to figure out assignments and misreads. But I, I saw, like, for example, out there, Jamal Adams got beat one time, and, you know, he – the end of the game, he owned it on himself. He said, I, I, I really made some big mistakes. And, he, you know, he owned up to it. I also saw him calling guys out while they're on the field, you know. He got beat on another pass play. I think it was Eric Ebron. Mm-hmm. And you could see him looking back and pointing at one guy and letting him know that he was out of his spot, you know, for coverage assignments. So guys are at least out there communicating and trying to pick up those lapses. Um, Darren Lee, who every year has been made a major improvement in terms of uh, – coverage and just awareness and such a good linebacker he makes me nervous I think by the time his contract is up he may be asking for more money and he may be well deserving of it had a big interception in the game to kind of change the pace of things the defense was really
sharp out there. I'm really, really happy. It's really, it's team. really exciting to see this defense come around. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a relief really because they got a lot of young guys on the team, and you know they've they put a lot of faith into getting them reps on the field and hoping that they'll get production out of them. And they have. And look, I, I had to look out to teams like you know the Chargers where they have Derwin James, this stud. That um, guy's a monster. I mean, just terrifying, you know. And looking at over him saying, you know, man, I hope one day that we can say the same about Jamal Adams. When you actually look at Jamal Adams' numbers, he's not quite the same monster, but I think he's probably going to have, I, it, you know, like you can't you can't look and say the grass is green on the other side. I think Jamal Adams is going to be a big playmaker for this team, but I think he's going to be a big team leader, which probably the Jets are going to need more than anything else. So I'm very, very grateful for what we do have right now. I am still worried about Injuries. We still have a lot, you know. Um, Marcus May. Scott yeah, Thomas, I saw that. Couple of weeks now, he's going to be out. You know, Tremaine Johnson may not be back for this next game. I don't. I think he's still going to be out for this um, coming game against the Vikings. So it's it's going to be a lot more still, you know, guys filling in, and I'm terrified of watching just what they're going to have to do to Adam Thielen. And Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. Dude, let's get into it, man. Let's. This is going to be a home game in New York against this Vikings team. Let's talk about that matchup because, listen, I don't feel like the Jets are a pushover anymore. This is not a team with a rookie quarterback that's just going to trudge through the season and finish six and ten. I really do feel like they've got some talent on both sides of the ball and they can actually make some noise. I mean. I don't think it's hard to argue that the Jets are a better team than the Bills. Okay, so. Like, this is a real team that can make some real noise. So, I don't want to just chalk up that the Vikings are going to win this game. What do you think? I mean, what do you see a path to Jets beating the Vikings this weekend? I think the biggest key for me right now, and looking looking back at what they were able to produce against the Colts, I think red zone conversions and um, just putting up points out of red zone opportunities is going to be the biggest key for the Jets. Because now we know they can get the ball down the field. They can move. You know, they can march down the field uh, and get themselves into position. But capitalizing on it is still a big problem. They're probably one of the lowest-ranked teams in red zone conversions. I think they are dead last in red zone conversions in really? the NFL this year. Wow. They're at 35%, I think, which is pretty low. This past game, they were one for six in the red zone Ugh. against the Colts, even though they got the win. I mean, like, I mean yeah, that, that feels like a rookie quarterback right there. Yeah. Jason Myers had to still put up seven field goals to kind of salvage things, but just imagine getting down in there six times and only coming away with one one score. That's not good, and that's not going to be, you know, that's not going to be clutch against a team like the Vikings where they've got, you know, you got a Xavier Rose, you got a Trey Wayne, you got, they, I think they dropped a cornerback like five, four out of the last five years, so their secondary is pretty damn good, and not to mention, you know, the pressure they can put on you up front, you know, you got defensive ends like Daniel Hunter you know, just roaming around. So there's going to be a lot of pressure for John on the ball, and he's going to have to throw it into the midst of a lot of ball hawks out there. So when they get into the red zone, they're going to have to capitalize as often as possible to really have a, a chance to stick with this Vikings team. Dude, you heard it here first. Shaka is saying the Jets need to make red zone conversions into touchdowns. We can't just be settling for field goals, especially not against a Vikings team that for all of their faults can probably burn everybody down through the air with Thielen and Diggs because yeah. what Kirk Cousins has been doing with that receiving core, considering how bad his offensive line is, 
is pretty impressive. And it looks like they were resurrected the running game a little bit. You know, they, they had Latavius Murray filling in for Dalvin Cook this past weekend, and, and Murray ran for 155 yards. I granted it was against the Arizona Cardinals. They still have that, you know, that potential to, to bust one out. And the Jets haven't been super, super stellar um, in the run defense lately. They have given up over 100 yards rushing to the last few guys. So, you know, there's, there's a bit of a threat there. I will say this. Quincy Newell is not going to be playing, obviously, for the next month. Mm-hmm. The Jets are um, trying out Rashard Matthews right now, who was just cut by the Tennessee wow. Titans. I really like Rashard Matthews. I'm surprised that he's still on the free agent market. He's 29, you know, still a talented receiver out there. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he sticks with the Jets. I'm also curious about his health. I think there were health issues coming into the season with him. Yeah. I think he was. I think he's actually healthy and ready to play. But I just think there was no spot for him in Tennessee anymore. And I gotcha. think they really um, let the the young the youngsters uh, the young movement kind I mean, of take over. Considering that Anunua just went down, I think Matthews could be a big help for the Jets. But then again, I'm not in the yeah. front office. I don't, I can't make that call. Yeah, and also Sharon Peek, who was one of our. Uh, I think he's probably a sixth or seventh round pick from a couple. Oh, years I remember Sharon Peek got a groin injury, so he's probably not available to play this weekend either. So there's a lot of injury concerns for the Jets this coming weekend. Well, let's, uh, are you ready to slide over to my Eagles real fast? Yeah, that, this is, man, this is going to be... Talking about how they took care of business on Thursday night against an atrocious Giants team? There's a lot. I mean, the New York media right now, in terms of where the Jets and the Giants stand as teams. They must be foaming at the mouth for Eli Manning blood right now. It's rough. I mean, man, that's part of a bigger conversation. Maybe we'll get into that too here. Do you want to lead us off here, buddy? I mean, listen, let's, let's just start from the start. Eagles took care of business. You know, beating up on the Giants was exactly what the doctor ordered. Now they've got a little bit of a swagger back. Their offense started to click a little bit more. Carson Wentz threw three touchdowns, making it look easy. You know, even I don't know if the Eagles really solved any of their major problems. You know, they're still really down on running backs. They still just have Smallwood and Clement. They they did great. They were fine. Um, you know, they got turnovers on the defensive side of the ball, which allowed them to, you know, jump ahead and, uh, actually get on top of the giants. But I mean, the thing, the thing that sort of, you know, and I was, I was mentioning this to you before we started the podcast, which is that, does this say that like the Eagles are back to their winning ways or did they just beat the giants? And I, I hate to say it, but I think they just beat the giants because, you know, we were just talking about Eli Manning. I feel like I want to talk more about the Giants and the Eagles. The Eagles looked impressive. I thought that, you know, Carson Wentz was able to spread the ball around. I think they protected him a little bit better. One of the things I do want to highlight about the Eagles before I rant and rave about the Giants is Jason Peters. Okay, Jason Peters left the game with a bicep injury, and now they're saying he might not be done for the season, but he'll at least miss some time. I am actually going to venture to say that might be good because I don't know when the injury occurred, but he was getting blown up all throughout this Giants game. And I think the injury was almost a great excuse for saying, let's take him out without offending him and being like, hey, you're not injured, but you're actually just sucking and looking old out there. Um, So I don't know what came first, but I do know getting him out of there and putting Vitae in actually improved the offense for the Eagles against this Giants team. And, I don't know if Peters misses the next handful of weeks. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Now for the Giants, 
Um, uh, listen, I, I don't think I'm going to say anything that's new news to you, but the only the only guys on this team are Barkley and Beckham. You and I yeah. texted. We were texting. We were talking. That's exactly what I said. That's the whole fucking team. Every single drive that the Giants had that produced anything, produced any, whether it was points, a good, a, a chunk play, anything, it was usually Saquon Barkley. I be, and they actually, I believe they scored 13 points in this game. They scored one touchdown and two field goals. Both field goals came off of Saquon Barkley having like a 30 or 40 yard run and flipping the field. And then the Giants not being able to capitalize in the red zone and kicking a field goal. And then the one touchdown was a 50 yard run by Saquon Barkley. He ripped off a chunk play and actually got into the end zone. So there is talent on this team. Odell was again, making beautiful catches for this team. It's Eli Manning throwing an interception on the second play of the game. It's Eli Manning overthrowing receivers. It's And it's not just Eli Manning. It's the offensive line struggling. It's the defense not being able to get turnovers. I mean, this Giants team is bad. And so, listen, I'm excited for the Eagles' win, but the Eagles are going in next week. They've got a home game against the Panthers, which, listen, I don't think it's a gimme. I think they can beat the Panthers, but... I don't like if anything this was sort of like they had to take care of business. If they lost this game, I definitely would have said this is a really bad season, but in my mind it's sort of like this is a game they needed to win and they did what they had to do. Um what are you thinking? Give me some of your thoughts on this game. Well, I'm going to be honest. I think I was a little bit more hesitant to to blow up the Giants, but I, I think you convinced me here, buddy. Um I, I I was actually really impressed with uh Philly's aggression in this game yeah. and granted I, I I really had a chance to kind of watch the Giants secondary which is supposed to be solid yeah supposed I, know, supposed to be pretty solid Jack Rabbit Jack Rabbit get cooked out there I've only had one issue with one ref uh, pass interference call but for the most part they, they got they got posted all game and I'm really really happy to see that you know play call wise the, the Eagles were not afraid to throw the ball on this on the second day and just really kind of get this game over with early and mm-hmm. often, you know, just throwing deep. And this word is going to come back again, red zone conversions. Mm-hmm. Now look this up. Eagles are number two, or were number two in 2017. You know, 64% of the time in the red zone they score it. They don't play around. And, again, they're doing it, you know, this year. Well, well um, they so, were poor in the red zone up until this game against the Giants. That was yeah, one of the big things was, was they actually were able to produce. Yeah, this is kind of what I remember this. The reason I went back and looked at this was I remember last year. It's like, man, every time Philly got themselves downfield and they got themselves in the red zone, it wasn't that it was wildly creative. It was just wildly effective in terms of this is what we're going to do. You know, um, and just really sticking to their guns. And I think that's probably part of what I, I noticed this year, that they got away from that, you know, just that confidence mm-hmm. in the red zone. And there was one play in particular that I remember. Who was it? Was it Alshon Jeffrey? It was just, I, mean, I think they were on the two-yard line, and they just threw this quick little yep. uh, slant yep. to the left. And it was just two um, wide receiver blockers, and they just bullied their way in to the end zone. And it's just that kind of confidence. How many teams have you seen in the NFL really run that play? Not many. And no. when you see it done like that, you're like, God, that looks so easy. It's a pretty complicated thing to do, you know, in terms of just watching, you know, the secondary is going to play up close. They're going to be waiting for a pass like that. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles just look like they didn't give a shit. So, and this goes back to your, your assessment of, I don't know if that what that says so much about the Eagles as it does about the Giants. 
And I think it's a little bit of both of that. Now, when we look at the Giants, they had no push on either side of the ball. Uh, this is the part where I'm torn on because there's definitely been an identity crisis in terms of who this team is on offense. And, you know, we talk about Odell Beckham walking into the tunnel before, you know, the clock runs out at halftime. Oh, boy. We can talk about frustration in terms of, are, are you blaming this on Eli? Are you blaming us on the play calling? Really? At the end of the day, it's, it, I, I think we're going to we're gonna look at this at the end of the season. And just, some guys are going to get fired. Offensive coordinators. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I to, dude, I think a lot of – not – I don't think it's all – I think coaching is a big part of this. I think yeah, scheme – I mean, listen, I'm not knocking Pat Shermer, but I don't know if he was the best selection. You know, he's a retread. I'm not going to argue with you. I don't, I don't think he's super innovative. I, I, I'm not – and again, the things he did with Minnesota last year – are not what we're seeing with Eli and the Giants right now. And I think that he is trying to implement some of that, and Eli is not able to actually execute. Right. So this goes back to my original point when I said identity crisis. For the most part, Eli Manning is a known quantity. Mm. He's a good quarterback. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I actually had an argument with someone today about whether or not he actually is. They thought he wasn't, and I was like, you're crazy. He beat the best quarterback of all time in the Super Bowl two times. I'm pretty sure that it puts you halfway to the doorstep. <laughs> I went back and looked at Philip Rivers' numbers, seeing as how he is, you know. He was essentially the same draft, the same year, comparable. Exactly. The Giants drafted him, traded him for Eli. Philip Rivers, if you look at Philip Rivers' numbers compared to Eli Manning's, they are relatively the same, which sounds crazy. With the exception of touchdowns to interceptions, Eli threw way more interceptions than Philip Rivers had. Mm-hmm. But in terms of passing yards and everything else, numbers-wise, there's not much of a difference. There's like I think there's a ten-point quarterback rating difference. Really? I think it's like ninety-five to like eighty-five. Uh, Rivers with the advantage. When you look at that, you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, and now you look at the accomplishments. Eli had two Super Bowl rings. I mean, no matter what happens, when the sun sets in this guy's career, 14 years right now, there's not a franchise in the NFL that would not kill to have that on their resume. How many, do you think the Chicago Bears would love to have that? Yeah. The Miami Dolphins? How many franchises have been mired in shit? The New York Jets. I've killed for one Super Bowl in the last 14, maybe the last 28 years, you know, as a franchise. And this goes to show you one that the New York media has really kind of They've stripped some of the mystique from a guy who, if he was playing in any other state, would be a deity. Yeah. So you kind of have to factor that in in terms of just, again, when I say identity. And right now, look, Eli's 37, I think, 38 years old. Obviously, he's not going to be the same guy that he once was in terms of ability. But he never was that. He was never in terms of a Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers has played with underwhelming teams for so long that he's had to overproduce to keep them alive. Eli's always relied on a solid defense and having a lot of talent around him. Mm-hmm. But he's always been a competent quarterback. Now we're at a phase now where the defense sucks. The offensive line has no push whatsoever. I mean, and your stars, like you said, Beckham and Saquon Barkley are all you really have to rely on. I mean, I don't really know what they expect Eli to do. He's 
I would say as far as talent-wise, if he had a couple more seconds in the pocket to throw the football, we would not be hearing so much shit over Odell Beckham Jr. But that's not a reality right now. And I think you're asking for, you know, water. I mean, you're asking for wine from water for this guy, which is something he's not really done with the exception of those two Super Bowls. Yeah. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, everyone wants him out. Fine. You take him out, but who's going to replace him? I mean, I, I think a big part of this, I think you nailed it with the New York component. This guy, it, it, for whatever you want to say, he does have those Super Bowl rings. And I think that is what makes it so hard for this Giants franchise and this city and these fans to kind of give in to the fact that they probably want to move on from him. And and what's also sort of, you know, let's think about the end of just about any major quarterback we can think of in the last, I don't know how many years. Like, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Peyton Manning. Okay, it was uncomfortable when the Colts had to cut him. You know, sooner or later, it ends up being, I don't even want to say it a breakup, it's more of a divorce. It's like we've been married for 40 years and now we're getting a divorce. You know, it's like, whoa, this is really uncomfortable and now we actually have to, like, go to an attorney and split everything up. I mean... (laughs) Just like a Brett Favre, that was also an acrimonious separation yeah, where it was sort of like, there's no right way for this to end. And for the Giants and Eli, I feel like that's the road we're going down. And it's there's no easy answer for how to do this. And until there's a, a actual permanent decision made, he's either cut or or we you know they sign you know somebody else. Like there was a lot of discussions like why the hell didn't the Giants go trade for Teddy Bridgewater? You know, why didn't they bring Bridgewater in to sort of warm the bench for Eli and give him a sense like, hey, if you don't get your shit together, this guy's taking your job. But instead, they gave Eli more of a vote of confidence and sort of made it even more difficult for the breakup, or excuse me, the divorce to happen. And now, I mean, it it might, I mean, what sounds terrible is maybe the best situation might be if he gets hurt. Because then the decision sort of gets taken out of everyone's hands because he's injured. I mean, that's what happened with Peyton Manning. Either way, this is going to be messy. And the and listen, hey, if the team continues to suck, they might finish three and thirteen again, and they might have another top two or top three pick. Maybe it's they, true. We, uh, there's something I haven't really thought about here, and we haven't really factored in. They had this guy, Davis Webb, that they drafted in this in around in 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were grooming him to be Eli's replacement. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, they cut him. I'm they, sorry, they were you talking about Christian Hackenberg or Davis Webb? Davis Webb. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, Davis Webb, he gets cut. <laughs> he gets cut. <laughs> and ironically, he is now on the Jets. He's, I think he's on the... Um, is he on the practice squad? Yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, no one's really asked what happened there, and I don't know if that was a move to kind of placate Eli, which I don't really think. I don't think Eli has had an ego, per se, which I think would probably be even worse in this New York media. It'd probably backfire on him. Oh, my God. He's arrogant and demanding. No. Uh, he's you actually know, kind of just right for the New York media. He's got he's got the yeah. demeanor for it. So, I, there's, there's a lot in terms of behind the scenes that's going on that I don't really know if... Again, if this is Eli's fault or this is management really manhandling the situation. Because if anything, look, I love Saquon Barkley. I think if the Giants could have gone back again and looked at this draft, maybe they'd take Darnold had they known they'd be this good. Or, honestly, Saquon Barkley, I think, is 
uh, I hate the word generational, but it, it's super effective. I think they've got another six or seven years of good production out of him at the minimum. And I think this gives him time to go back into the draft and either draft a new quarterback or sign a veteran. I'd have to look at contracts and who's available in the offseason. But, I mean, the Giants are pretty much delaying the inevitable that there are going to be in either a semi-rebuild or a full rebuild after this season is over because whatever they're doing is not working. They're throwing a lot of money at guys who are not earning it. And offensive play calling is shit. I mean, granted, Odell Beckham Jr. is a diva. There's definitely something to his body language and to just his lack of just effectiveness on the field that says that they need something else. Saquon Barkley is just pure raw talent, and he's just taking whatever you whatever you hand him, and he's making you know art out of it. So there's a lot of questions, and it's not just Eli. But then again, you're the quarterback; you get all the glory. You're going to get all the notoriety as well. That's right, and you got to answer all the tough questions too. And that question of whether they should have taken Darnold over Saquon Barkley is going to be a question that's asked for a very long time. For a well, very like long I said, time. I don't think the Giants, I don't think they made a mistake in taking Barkley. I think they made a mistake in everything else that they've done. I agree. This I, I totally agree. I think Barkley is a fantastic player, but could they have traded down, got another draft capital, and Probably. still drafted a quarterback? Probably. I mean, you don't, you don't, and it's sort of like if you disagree with me, look at the Indianapolis Colts. They traded down, got a lot more draft capital, and they were able to bring in, I think, several rookies. And listen, they're, they're still bad, but they're notably better. Yeah, they're trying. They're making an attempt. Whereas the Giants, I feel like all I see is Beckham and Barkley. Yeah, it's, this is going to be brutal to watch this rest of the season. Okay, real quick Eagles. Carolina Panthers at home in Philadelphia. Who do you think wins that game? I like the Eagles, man. I, I Carolina's Carolina's kind of up and down for me right now. I agree. Um, that defense, the defense, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on too much. And I still have the same problem with the Carolina Panthers that I've always had. I love Christian McCaffrey, number one. Um, but his role week to week always changes. One week, you know, he's this electrifying guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Eleven. 12 touches out of the backfield pass-wise, and the next week he hits zero pass attempts. So week to week, I think, I don't know if they're doing it game plan-wise to throw other teams off, but it's throwing their own team off. Their offense really, again, their identity is still kind of around Cam Newton, mm-hmm. but personnel-wise, it's just it's a grab bag. Look, I, I also love Devin Funches, but I feel like there's no consistency, there's no rhythm with this offense like they had in that one unbelievable season where everything was just cranking. So yeah. I really don't like that inconsistency coming into Philly with a team this hungry, especially uh, when you got guys who are just getting a lot of push pass rush-wise and in the running game. Um, that defense, I think the Eagles defense is going to chop and contain Cam Newton yeah. at home. I'm, so, I'm hoping that as well. I think that, I think that I think that if Carolina is going to expose the Eagles D and and try to get at him, it's going to be Cam Newton scrambling out of the pocket and making throws. However, yeah. I don't think that's really their strength. Not that he can't do it, not that he isn't a good passer, but I think running they don't the ball have the personnel to do it. No, screen passes, that's a little bit more of their MO. And I feel like that's not the way to attack the Eagles' D. The way to attack the Eagles' D is to get after the secondary. Try to air it out to Devin Funches and Curtis Samuel and Torrey Smith. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I think that the front seven's going to get after him. And then, 
you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think the Carolina defense is bad, but I think the Eagles are going to be able to do what they need to do. I think that if they continue their winning ways, if they continue to convert on third downs, which was a big change in this past game with the Giants, I mean, I see them, it could be a close game, but I see them winning like 26-21 against this Panthers team. Right, yeah. I mean, again, like I said, I really don't like the identity of that offense and their consistency. And I think if you go in and you're a team that's lower for a screen passes, when you're facing a defense like the Eagles, they game plan very well, and you're not going to throw something obvious out there to them, and they're not going to be ready for it. Fletcher Cox is not going to stand in the backfield and you know just let that happen. They're going to they're going to get a lot of pressure, and I think Cam Newton's going to be on his butt a lot this weekend. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. I I can't wait. Fletcher Cox eating up uh, some get a sack lunch with Cam Newton. It's music yeah, to my ears. This will be rough. I I I. I really think the Panthers, men, talking about squandering the best years of a good quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what's going on in Carolina, but I think they had that one good season. They've been chasing it ever since. No, I I agree, and I I think that they're smart to keep Cam Newton because he he is the talent, but they've made some front office decisions that are just questionable and questionable yeah. and i mean they, they you're right man because that 15 and one season when they went to the super bowl they have not been able to recapture that no at all now what do we got left on our docket here closing arguments before we get out of here los angeles chargers they've been pretty impressive philip rivers is playing excellent football they're four and two Derwin James is a fantastic rookie. Melvin Gordon is now lighting the world on fire. He's kind of right behind Todd Gurley and running backs. Poor man, poor man's Todd Gurley. Poor man's Todd, dude. Out. He was looking. Melvin Gordon was looking fantastic. I heard he was uh, training with Ladainian Tomlinson in the off season to kind of figure out ways to improve his pass catching ability. It shows. Is this Chargers team for real? Can this team make it to the playoffs? Can they actually win a playoff game and make noise? Because I think in years past, they've shown flashes of brilliance, but they've never really been able to put everything together. They always have issues with their kicker. They have questionable coaching decisions. I really wanted to just get a quick sense from you. Do you think this team is real? Do you think they could actually go 10-6 and six and uh, and get to the playoffs? Look, I think you and I have always had a little bit of a preferential bias for the Chargers. I, I've always liked this team. I, I agree. I, I love me some Phillip Rivers. Rivers. He, he's a competitor. I mean, just you talk about a guy who, who and granted, he can be, you know, outgunned. He still will come to the table, you know, ready to eat. I think the problem they've had in the last few years, one, is a lot of injuries. Um, and I think this year, things have turned around quite a bit. You know, we don't have Keenan Allen out for one year, but we got this guy. We mm-hmm. don't have this guy, but we got Keenan Allen back. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive I, I line, of, they always had offensive line injuries. Yeah, woes is what I would do. Like, I feel like there was one year they had three or four starting centers on the team. Yeah, and still, I mean, they still managed to stay in games. They were still competitive. They still won a lot of big games. They were kind of called like the Miami Dolphins of the NFC. They would just happen to just knock out guys that they had no business you know, taking on. I totally and agree. I think this year, I think this year it's finally all kind of coming together. People are healthy. You know, um, like we said, Melvin Gordon has been phenomenal. Austin Eckler in relief, dude, has had some some big, you know, big games. And talk about like you know a third down running back who can come in and just. I mean, one, he's small, and I think he's kind of unpredictable, mm-hmm. and he always catches everyone off off guard. But he always ends up with sixty or seventy yards rushing and. 
you know, in relief. So they got a good one-two punch at the running back position. When we're talking about wide receivers. They got Tyrell Williams, they got Mike Williams, and then Keenan Allen. All these guys are six two or taller. Mm-hmm. You talk about big receivers that you have to. And Tyrell Williams know. caught that touchdown in three defenders thus last week. That was just uh, insane. And also just the throw. Go back and look at the throw from Philip Rivers. I mean, when we talk about again, we're talking about Eli Manning versus Philip Rivers in terms of arm strength. And I mean, just terrifying that that guy is, you know in his 14th year and still can just throw bombs like that. So, I mean, you got three wide receivers who are six to a taller. Uh, what what defender can you put on them and say, go up and go after this ball with this guy? No way. It's not going to happen. Um, so, offensively, they're super dangerous. And Tony Gate somehow is Dude. doing some kind of off-season ritual, some voodoo ritual that makes him <laughs> still able to play competitive football. Um there's just so many weapons that they have on offense. And on defense, we said Thurman James, who is a rookie, but is looking like he's going to be a, a, an annual pro bowler in the NFL. You know, I mean, just great draft choice by um, the front office in San Diego. You got Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa, who has not played all season, but as soon as he comes back, oh my God, imagine, this team. Imagine how terrifying this is going to be when he just shows up and says, hey guys, what did I miss? You know, um, so it's, it's, they've got a lot of just, they got a lot of good things going for them. So I do think they're going to be a playoff team. I think they, I mean, let's give it another two or three games to see really what they're made of. And I'm going to say, um, I'm riding, man. I'm a fan of this team. I really love I mean, them. I'm, I'm a fan too. I want to see them win a couple more convincing victories against legit teams where they don't yeah. figure out a way to choke, where they don't figure out a way to miss an extra point. I, I just I, I want to see that because I know Philip Rivers can can open it up and just unleash at any time. But I just I know that they've got it in them. I've seen it happen before. I mean, I think they can go 10 and six and do it. I do. I believe so. I will so. point out the schedule's pretty damn soft. I mean, when you look at the, who they've got to face, I'm looking right now. Go ahead. It is they've got the Titans next. Okay, in, in London. Yep. They got the Titans. They got the Seahawks, which is going to be when we talk about that game, just to see what they're made of. It should be a pretty good game. They got the Raiders, who Derek Carr has been hurt. I don't know. Oh yeah, Raiders are a joke, dude. They're terrible. The Broncos have been very up and down. Their defense has not been that good this year. The Cardinals. That's a gimme. That's a winnable game. They got the Steelers, which is another good competitive game. You see, Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs, Ravens. Like those are the games. That's going to be like if they win. Like three, two out of those three games, Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs. Now we're talking. This is a team that can really make noise. Yeah, but I think they're gonna be all right, man. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a fun season to watch. They're one of those outlier teams that I don't really have an allegiance to. But if the game's on, I will watch. I, just, I have watched. I I did watch um, when they were playing the Broncos. Was it the Broncos? There was the Browns. Was it the Browns? I definitely watched some of the Browns games. But it's just one of those those teams that, like, whenever there's a game on. I'm sorry, they played the Rams. I was watching them play the Rams. Oh, yeah, they had that great game against the Rams. Yeah, they lost, but that was just a fun one to watch. Dude, I I love watching this Charger team. I'm okay with uh, putting the game on. So I hope they go far this year. All right. Guys and gals, you heard it here first. We think the Chargers are actually going to make some noise this year in the playoffs. Um 
But that's it, man. We're getting out of here. Thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. Or you can always email us at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Um, Shaka, when is the baby going to show up? Can you just predict for us right now? Should we, should we put a bets on it? Probably when I'm getting ready to sit down on a Sunday and uh, enjoy the schedule of games. If I know this little guy. If anything, though, I won't be too upset. He's already got three Jets onesies. <laughs> he's got the home. He's got the away. He's got the alternative. You know, I need to step up my Jets much at this point because he's got me beat. This kid so. is ready. He is ready to be on the Sam Darnold bandwagon for years to come. He picked a good time to come into the world. You know, it's been woeful up until now. So uh, I'm looking forward to having a partner in crime when we watch games. Dude, we are all looking forward to it, especially me. I can't I can't wait. And uh, listen, everybody, <laughs> enjoy this weekend's slate of games. We'll be back next week to talk some more football. Maybe Shaka won't be back because he might be on Baby Watch hanging out with his new partner in crime. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, enjoy the games. We'll be back next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Enjoy the games, guys.